You're listening to The Devoted Podcast, where our desire is to be women devoted to the Word of God. We're so glad you're here, and we pray you'll be challenged and encouraged as we look to God's Word together. Hi, gals, and welcome to The Devoted Podcast. Glad you guys are here. Well, today's a little different than what I thought it was going to be. I had plans for a different podcast, and I was having a conversation with somebody this morning, and it just kind of kept sticking with me as I as I was trying to work on this other episode. These thoughts of what she had brought up had just kind of kept mulling there. So I spent some time with the Lord and just examined some scriptures on this and decided that today I was going to do a podcast on singleness. So ladies, for all of you who are single right now in this season of your life, this one is just all for you. Now, I'm just going to be real candid with this because I think, like, honestly, even when she suggested this episode this morning, my first reaction was, oh, no, they don't want to hear from me on that. And the reason for this, bear with me. So the reason for this is because sometimes we think that because we aren't in that season right now, then we should just kind of stay out of that world. We should leave that to the people that are in that right now, in that season of life, and let them speak to it. And in some cases, I think maybe even well-intentioned, I remember doing some things with Devoted Live and doing some things through women's ministry early on, and actually getting that advice from gals that either were single currently or they had been single and they were like, you know, you really should have a single gal when you're doing a panel or you should really do this, which I love because, but here's why not because those ladies are single. It's because those ladies are fantastic women of God. And that's why I wanted them on the panels when we would do that for Devoted Live. But sometimes we can kind of get that feeling that, man, if we aren't experiencing this, then we have nothing to contribute to that. And we shouldn't be really saying anything. And honestly, you guys might be hearing this and maybe some of you are going, yeah, you're not single, so you shouldn't be talking to this. Or maybe some of you are thinking, No, I get it. So I'm just saying all that because that's sort of a little bit of what I had fallen into on why sometimes I don't address this quite as directly, just me personally, is because I sometimes feel like a a single gal might be going, what in the world do you know about this? You are married. You got three kids. We are in super different seasons and you really can't speak into singleness. But here's the thing. I don't really want to speak into it at all. How's that? (laughs) I want God's word to speak into this. And I think that that is really all that we need. And I do feel often, whether we're at a women's event or a devoted live and we're talking and we, we do often bring up marriage and families and the structure of our families and some parenting stuff, everyone. And that's all great. And I just think that's great. Married, single everything in between in your seasons of life, pre-kids, while you have kids. I mean, those are things that we need to hear because there's things that God's word has to say about each of those things. And we can learn those at any season of life, whether we're actually in it at that moment or not. But I'm hoping that today is just some encouragement for you gals that maybe have been patiently listening along with the podcast, or maybe you guys are following along on Devoted Live or things like that, and wondered sometimes, how does all of this apply for me being single right now? So my prayer is that this is just encouragement for you gals, because I'm excited for the season of life that you guys are in, just like I'm excited for our young moms out there and our newly marrieds and our married ladies that have been in it for 10, 15, 20 years. I love it. But here's where 
I think we all need that perspective shift of why is it that we evaluate things so much on really what, let's just say, let it is kind of the world's stage. Like we let them kind of set the parameters. And you know what I mean, because people will say, or you say to yourself, I'm still single. And that's still the way it is said is a negative, right? It's a, that's a course which you presume it to be either from someone else or you is saying it to yourself is this is such a bad thing that I'm single as if to be married is the answer to everything. And I know a lot of you gals, you know this mentally. It's a lot harder sometimes to get the emotion and maybe the desire for what you want in life to kind of match up in that. But just to take a step back from what you mentally know and maybe what your the connection and what the emotion is that you have on it, maybe what your desires are at some point, you have to kind of acknowledge that the world kind of looks at singleness sometimes as like some kind of weird disease, like something's wrong if you're single. And then, of course, then the antithesis is that then if you're married, then that's the answer. But that is a really big lie. And I really hope you gals spot that fallacy for sure. And we're going to look at scripture for what it really says about being single, because that's really what we care about. We care not about what our mom who's dying for us to get married says on this particular issue or an aunt's best intended advice or whatever. And certainly any tidbit I might have ridiculous. No, we really want to know what the Word of God says for us, all of us gals in every season of life. But I wanted to begin that with just make sure you're kind of pulling off those filters and maybe viewing this hopefully through a biblical lens of what singleness is, what being married is, and let's not set them up on these almost as idols. I heard somebody one time, and I can't remember who it was or else I'd give them credit, but talked about how sometimes we actually make marriage an idol. And think about that, gals. What do we do when you have an idol? You don't drape it in the things that aren't good about it, right? You like in your mind, you perfect that image with all of the things that you think it will be, right? But it's not real. It's an idol. It's only in your own mind of what it is. And so that's why it's so important to, you know, try to wipe out the world's ideas and what they might tell you, the right age you were supposed to be married or all of those things. Even like I said, best intended advice and family that love you. Yeah, let's just see what the Lord says about this and hopefully gain his perspective on these things. So the biggest chunk of scripture that we're given on this specifically, and it's not just about singleness, it talks about marriage, talks about there's a little bit in there about bond service. I mean, it talks about a bunch of things, but it is definitely a big section that really devotes some very specific words for singleness. And it's given to the Corinthians. It's in chapter seven, first Corinthians chapter seven. So we're going to kind of pop around that a little bit. I definitely encourage you, honestly, single or married, read 1 Corinthians 7 in its entirety because it really has some really good stuff for us in that chapter. But I want to pop around in a couple different places. And one of the things we always were talking about when we're reading the scripture, we always want to say, well, you know, what's the context? What's the audience of who is being talked to and all of that kind of stuff? So the Corinthians, interesting kind of church here, two big books, two big epistles are given to the Corinthian church. Paul spent some time on the Corinthians, but they were kind of known for something. And the things that they were known for probably would make most of us blush. You know, they were known for their immorality. And so Paul has to address that quite a bit in his letters. 
Paul is a single guy. Now we know that because he's going to say that here in 1 Corinthians 7. And so sometimes you can think of that, just like I said, you know, well, what's your perspective and what experience do you have? And But when you're reading the inspired word of God, that should be all the perspective of giving it the authority it deserves, right? So while Paul's perspective and that he was single, it does help provide context for maybe some of his authority that he has. But regardless, his authority is given because Paul's words are God's words here. The Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write these words. And that really, at the end of the day, just has to be enough for us. And I'll tell you, you know, you might find some things in 1 Corinthians 7 as you read that as a married woman or as a single woman and might go, I don't like that. I really, I think that we should see that as women who want to be devoted to what scripture says and measuring our lives and and actually striving to be more sanctified in our walk. I think that should be a good thing. If you come across something in scripture that you're like, ooh, do I really like that? Well, you know what? Then that means that that's something that you need to die to yourself on and go with what scripture has. That's going to be progress as you push past that, ooh, I don't really like that. But we really should not be surprised in our fleshly, fallible humanness to find things in Scripture that are going to kind of go, I don't really know that I love that you use that word for my singleness or being married or when we talk about submission. I'm sure that ruffles some feathers, too. But the fact is, is that this is what God's word says for us. And I love that we know that, right? We, we know that it's authoritative and we want to measure our choices, our lives against it. But the other thing that is, I just think, such an amazing bit of frosting here is the fact that God is the creator of us. Like he actually knows you and I more intimately than any human ever, ever will. The best husband in the world is not going to get you the way that your father in heaven, the God who created you, gets you. And he knows you just exactingly. And he, he created you. He just knows all of the ins and outs. So that is really encouraging to me when I think about this passage talking about what it should look like for singleness and for married, all of these things that Paul's going to say, and the fact that that's just not somebody just throwing some stuff out. No, that is God who created you knowing what is best for us. That is the voice behind 1 Corinthians 7. So hear it with that as well. So he begins this chapter, and like I said, I'm not going to read the entire thing, so I encourage you to go check out the whole chapter. But he begins this, and he talks about responding to a letter that they had written them. And one of the things they had been talking about is the temptation for sexual immorality. And so he says in verse two, because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. So he's kind of giving his endorsement here that, yeah, because of temptation, then yes, every woman should have her own husband and every man his own wife. So he gives kind of that context going into it. But then as he moves on, you get to verse seven. And this is what he says. He says, I wish that all were as I myself am, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. Now, what is this that he's saying? I wish that all were as I myself am. Okay. He's talking about being single. And so this is where the thing and where lots of times singles will kind of go, please just don't call my singleness a gift. I I want it to be, it's a gift I'd like to give back. A, A good friend of mine said sometimes, because we can hear that in our desire for where we want to be can clash sometimes with the calling that the Lord's given us right now. And that's to be expected because you know what? We are sinful humans that 
can grow discontent sometimes with the season that we're in. Now, single gals don't hear that with a harsh word at all, because again, this is just, this is Paul's words here, and he defines this as saying, but each has his own gift from God. That word gift, it's all over in scripture as something that's given in favor to something. It's something that is a blessing to someone. But see, that's where we clash, right? We want to go, but wait a minute. I'm single right now. I don't want to be single right now. So this does not feel like a blessing to me. And we've talked about this on other episodes as well. When when we talk about how we define good sometimes, when Romans 8.28 says, all things work together for the good of those who are called, that good, we want to go, well, that means blessing and what I want, right? Well, sometimes, sometimes it will feel, I'll go ahead and use that feel word, exactly what we want. But sometimes it's not that. Does it mean that that isn't part of the Lord, what the Lord's good and what he's doing in our lives? No, we define good differently. So the fact that Paul says that I wish that all had this gift, this singleness as I do, you got to kind of take the wrapping paper off a little bit and realize that this blessing can look different than what we thought it would look like. So hang with me. But one of the things about that part when I was saying how Paul's perspective on being single and that kind of stuff and how that kind of adds to this in some capacity, I think. I was reading, David Guzik has a commentary called the Enduring Word Commentary. It's a great commentary, by the way, online, or they have a free app too. And it's super easy to use. And you just go to the book, you go to the chapter, and it's, it's just very clear. But he said this about Paul's understanding with this, because He was, Paul, being in an unmarried position right now, okay? And scholars kind of go back and forth about whether or not Paul was married at one point. That Some think that he may very well have been because he was part of the Sanhedrin, and that was presumed that you would be married if you were part of the Sanhedrin. And Scripture's silent on that part. It doesn't say whether his wife died. It doesn't say whether his wife left when he became a Christian. Who knows? We have no idea. But he might have been married at some point, but right now he's not. And what I think is interesting about him not being married, and we think in our culture that singleness, whether you think that our culture hypes up singleness is something that you should be, or if you think that everybody says, oh, everybody needs to be married by 22 or whatever nonsense that is. In Paul's culture, it would have been considered actually almost sinful to not be married. So he is coming from a culture that is also saying that this marriage, and you know, back then there was a lot of arranged marriages and betrothals and things like that, but that was an expected thing. So these comments would have probably seemed quite startling in that culture to say that, man, it's actually, it's a good thing if you're single. It's okay. So that would have been probably as shocking in that culture as it is in ours for maybe if you're single and going, I'm not seeing this the way Paul's seeing it. Well, neither would probably his audience at that day. So after he says the part that he says, I wish everybody was just single like I am, then it goes on into verse eight and it says, to the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Now, a little bit on this part. We're going to come back to the that word remain because he brings that up at the end of the chapter too. But when I read this part in 
in verse 9, talking about whether we can exercise self-control and that it is better for them to marry than to burn with passion. It, man, there's so many things in our culture right now that do not help singles out. Okay. Song of Solomon 3, 5, it says, I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or the does of the field, that you not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. And this word, along with Paul's word here, is just that there should be self-control. We need to exercise that. But there's this idea that we don't want to put ourselves in a place that you're burning with that passion. And that's why it's saying, if that is where you're at, then it is better to marry. Song of Solomon would warn and say, hey, be careful about the stuff that might conjure up those thoughts or anything like that before it is time, before you are to be married or anything like that. And so this just kind of made me think of the things that in our day, in an extremely sexualized, very romanticized culture about some of the things about marriage and relationships, you know, that we need to be kind of careful. And I'm going to say this for married or single gals on what you read and what you watch. You need to understand that even some hallmark level, and I'm meaning that in mostly like the PG content. I can't really endorse Hallmark movies. <laughs> They've definitely gone rogue in my my opinion. But that kind of movie, you know, the feel-good romantic comedy that's just everything ends happy and it's all great. But I think that we need to think about even some of that Hallmark-level content might not be something that is good for you in singleness. When you watch something like that or do, when you read that book, does it make you feel like discontent with where you're at in life? When Paul set up there in verse eight, when he says for them to remain single, does it help you to remain content in the season of life that you are right now? Or does it cause thoughts and it does it cause just emotions that make you not feel content in that? And why I say this is for married gals as well with that type of stuff that we can take in. We can look at those things and go, but wait, my husband doesn't act like that. And he doesn't bring me flowers in the middle of the day on a Tuesday. And and it can do the same thing for married gals. It can make you discontent with where the Lord would have you remain. Everybody has to have the answer that for themselves. And I think we need to be careful that we don't necessarily cast judgment on someone else that it is in either in a different season of life or, you know, so be careful. I'm meaning this to be very prayerful for you personally on this. But if you are single and you're feeling especially lonely or unhappy in your singleness right now, you're going through kind of a hard season with it and you're wrestling with the Lord, it's probably not the best time to binge every romantic movie that you find, you know, and just check your brain on this. And, and notice I didn't say heart I didn't say check your heart on this. And the reason for that is because we're talking about Hallmark movies, right? The most popular and overused Hallmark line. You all know what it is. You're filling in the blank even as I speak. Follow your heart. What does your heart say? I mean, there's always that moment where they have to have that conversation about what your heart is saying and then just, just make sure you do whatever your heart is saying. Well, don't do that. Remember, heart, desperately wicked, who can know it? Yeah, we, we don't want to do what our heart says. So that's why I think when we approach things like this, that maybe even they seem really benign. And it's just a Hallmark movie, no big deal, whatever. But check your brain on this and go, hey, is that going to be good for me right now? Or is that going to make me discontent with the place that the Lord has me right now too? So I think that's worthwhile, even as silly as a little movie. What does your mind say? Not all the emotions. More of this conversation kind of came up, was it a year or so ago? I don't remember. There was a big controversy over the Redeeming Love movie. And it is a movie that is based off a book. And the book is based off of 
the book in the Bible, Hosea. Now, I've not seen the movie, so I can't speak to that. And I have read the book, but to be honest, it was so many years ago, I really didn't remember a whole lot. But I've read Hosea in the Bible many times, and it is a beautiful allegory, right, of God and his wife, Israel. It's a beautiful story. And then this was adapted and then put into a book and then, and then of course, the movie. But all kinds of questions came up in this. And I think this is one of those where people needed to really pray about this for where they, what season of life they were in and answer some of these questions. They needed to check their brain and say, man, is this something that's good for me? And we should do that with anything, right? But this is one particularly, I think, we as gals need to be maybe a little more careful with than than we are. I think mon- sometimes we just think so many of these things are no big deal. And that's what the world wants you to do. They want you to go, oh, come on, don't be so serious. It's not a big deal. It's just a movie. And maybe, but maybe not. I don't think it's actually too much to be very careful and just consider what kinds of things that we're taking in. Okay, so I've only gotten to a couple verses here in 1 Corinthians 7, but those those were the first things that kind of hit me as we read this. But let's see what else he says about being single. So he says in verse 17, we'll skip down to there, and it says, only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. Now, this word called, he kind of keeps, he'll keep echoing on this. Down in verse 20, he says, each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. And then when it's talking about bondservants a little bit later, it says, for he who is called in the Lord as a bondservant is a free man in the Lord. But he continues to keep focusing on this word. So I want to read verse 17 again. It says, only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. And you can put her in there too, okay? So what has the Lord called you to right now? Now, we use this word calling sometimes broadly, right? Sometimes people think that this is something that we need to have some giant epiphany on what our calling is. Maybe. Sometimes I think the Lord would kind of hit us over the head with that. But there's some general things that we know that we are called to. If we skip down to verse 35 in this, it says that all of this section on singleness, on where you should be, he says in verse 35, he says, to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. Undivided devotion. I love this because I think we could all agree that regardless of what your vocation might be right now or what your daily activities look like, we can definitely agree that as believers in Christ, that we have a calling to have an undivided devotion to the Lord, that we should approach the things in the decisions we make, but then also most certainly how we serve the Lord with a wholeheartedness. And I love that, I think, because Maybe because it's a struggle for me and for probably most of us to be able to really make sure we're not dividing our attentions with things. And that's kind of the heart behind what Paul is saying with this. And he's going to get into that in a little bit more detail in a second in chapter seven, because he's promoting that we be able to have this wholehearted devotion, that that's kind of that should be our calling. I love Psalm 119, verse nine through 16 says, how can a young man or young woman keep his or her way pure by guarding it according to your word? With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips, I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much in all riches." 
I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes and I will not forget your word. I love this psalm that just highlights a couple things about how with our whole heart we want to seek you. But then did you also catch, because I chose to read just a few extra verses on there, you kind of can't read that verse without thinking the psalmist has a smile on his face. There's just these happy words about it. Blessed are you, O Lord. And my lips declare the rules of my mouth. And he says, I delight in it, that and in as much as in the riches. So I feel like there is a joy in approaching the Lord saying wholeheartedly, how can we do this? So if we consider the calling that we have and we consider that one of those is to foundationally be that we serve the Lord with an undivided devotion wholeheartedly. How can we do that? And then this is sometimes where the questions come up of how can we serve the Lord? And we could ask ourselves this in any stage of life that we're in, but since we're specifically speaking about singleness, how can you serve the Lord in your singleness? Why should you serve the Lord in your singleness? And and I put that one in there just because that is actually something that The Bible tells us, and I just mentioned Hosea a minute ago, where it gives this allegory that Israel as the wife of God, but in your singleness, your husband is the Lord. And sometimes you can say that and people kind of roll your eyes a little bit and go, okay, yeah, that's, that's really sweet and really romantic and all of those things. Well, again, set those worldly preconceived notions about those things aside for a second and think about what it looks like to be a helper to the Lord. You know, our created design back in Genesis is to be a helper. And that does not just begin when we get married. It's not like as soon as you get married, then you put on your helper uniform and that's when you can be a helper. I really believe that you will be most fulfilled. And I can say partly this experientially, right? Because the most blessing we get is when we are walking in the design that the Lord has called us to be. So how can we be a helper? So if you were listening to some of those episodes on, I think I did one on making helper cool again, or we, you know, we've talked about that several times. But again, that does not stop with just if you're married, that's single gals too. So how can you be a help in the capacity, in the calling, in the place where you are right now? And how that works out right now is how can you be serving the Lord? Now, still, I want to say, if I'm still saying this and you're like, okay, yeah, but just this helping the Lord and serving the church again, that's not exactly the, honestly, if we're being real, the hallmark notion that you had of what this is going to look like, right? Okay, again, set those aside and ask the Lord to just align your desires with him as you remain in the calling that you have right now. Because if you're single right now, well, that's where the Lord's got you right now. So you don't want to get any further away than where you are right in this moment. And so right now in your singleness, you can be serving the Lord wholeheartedly with all devotion and with joy, I might add. I know that seems crazy, but you can. And some of this, I think too, I have some dear friends that are single gals and they're doing this. They are serving the Lord with this wholeheartedness that it just brings me such joy. And I see all of the others that are so blessed by their ministry. Psalm 84 Verse 10 through 12 says, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. 
No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Do we believe that? You know, do we believe that to be in the courts of the Lord, to be serving? It even says, I'd rather be a doorkeeper. Is that like the old tabernacle style of greeter? I, I don't know. But would rather do anything serving in the house of the Lord. I love the story in the Gospels of Anna, who it says that she was a widow and she was in the temple praying like all the time. That's where you would find Anna. And that's what she's there. I didn't look up the passage ahead of time, but it's right when Jesus comes in and she gets to see him. And then, you know, she has this prayer here. But what I love about the story of Anna is it's this woman that is a widow and she just is in the temple in prayer all the time. That's just what she does. And that's amazing to me for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. So here's the thing. Where can you serve? You are needed and you are a valuable part of the church body in service to Christ if you are single. I mean, seriously. And this can look like so many things. I'll say some things because I can think of some single gals and where they're serving. But again, I think you should pray about it and ask the Lord, where would you have me serve in your church? And I think, gals, it's so important for us to be part of a church and really be into a church. Don't have church be something that you check a box or you maybe listen to them online sometimes and go, yep, that's church. No, no, no. Church is actually going into the doors. <laughs> it is actually going through scripture with a pastor, with actual sound teaching. At Athey, we are so blessed, gals, because it's through the Bible. It's chapter by chapter, verse by verse. It's the full counsel of God's word. And that is such a blessing. Be in that. Sit in that. And I do mean not just on your couch, it's not like I'm dissing on that because I think it's great that we have the technology options and things like that. But it is so important for us gals to actually be in fellowship with other believers. And you actually have to go to do that. So go to church, meet some people, get uncomfortable even sometimes. That's okay. And get to know other Christians that are wanting to serve the Lord with you. Volunteer and get to know people that way. But figure out where you can serve. I won't name her because she will be embarrassed, I have no doubt, but I have a dear friend that works on my team and she serves with the junior high girls. I can't even think of a better example, someone who has chosen to just pour into junior high girls and she goes on the retreats and she's a counselor and she does these things. She's a single gal and this is how she serves the Lord, one of the ways. She serves the Lord in many capacities, but this is one and it is such a blessing for me to see how she is serving and just the joy that she has. But then I think of those gals, man, ladies, it is a scary time to be a junior high or a high school girl. It is a scary time. There is such insanity out there. It is nothing like the days that we knew when we were in high school or junior high. No, not even close what these gals go through. And so ladies, if you're single and you don't know where to serve, man, find some junior high girls that you can pour into. At Athey, there's all kinds of opportunities to help those, those gals, but that's just one example. But ladies, we're needed to pour into that, to those girls. We're needed in our churches. And when you're single in particular, and this is what Paul keeps getting to in chapter seven, is that your time isn't divided because you're not needing to do these things for your husband and different things. You actually get to have this 
wholehearted devotion just to the Lord. But gals, you're needed within the church. You know, I love, it's just a little snippet of a verse in Acts that it talks about Philip the evangelist. And he said, it says that Philip the evangelist, he was one of the seven, he was one of the deacons. And it says he had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. Now, when you hear prophesied, that doesn't mean that they were telling the future or anything like that. No, prophecy, uh, that prophecy in the New Testament means they were giving a word of edification or encouragement. And these four unmarried daughters were highlighted for that. And I think that's really cool because gals, there is somebody in your life right now, I guarantee that you can speak a word of edification, meaning something, give something your exhortation, something that maybe the Lord showed you in your own quiet time today that you can share with, with a gal, or just maybe somebody just needs encouragement or somebody needs prayed for. But those are really vital things. And they're not something that we should go, well, I guess I can only do this. Or we put it in the I'm still single category. And so I guess I'm relegated to these lesser things. That is completely wrong. That is just a wrong, wrong perspective. So let's continue a little bit in chapter seven. When you get to verse 28, Paul says, but if you do marry, you have not sinned. Well, this is good news, right? Okay. So if you do get married, you have not sinned. And it says, if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles. And I would spare you that. Well, look at that. This is, here's Paul going, here's the thing. It's not sin. And he said that earlier in the chapter, right? He was like, you know, better to be married than burn with passion is what he says. But he's saying, you know, if you don't need to get married, then don't. He's wanting to spare us that because you will have worldly troubles. Now, this is a classic grass is always greener on the other side of the fence, right? That we want to say, well, if I was married, then this wouldn't be a problem. Or I will say married gals can say this. If my husband did this, then this wouldn't be a problem. Or if I wasn't married, then I could do this. I mean, we, we can give a good list of these things. But one of the things that I think this and, and throughout this chapter that He's reminding us to just not entertain thoughts outside of where you're called right now. Remember that he set up there, remain. In this one, let's see, it, it was in verse 26. He says, remain as he is. Remain with God, he said in verse 24. Meaning like where you're called, just hang right there. Stay right there. This can take the form of needing to take a lot of thoughts captive, right? Because we can want to entertain thoughts outside of where we're called right now. This is the fill in the blank thing that I was saying, you know, married, then this, single, then this. But we need to take those thoughts captive and lay them down and ask the Lord what those should look like. You know, Psalm 37 is always such a great reminder. It says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Isn't that a kindness right there too? He's saying, delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart even. So if you desire to be married, again, I don't think this is something that you have to be ashamed of and you have to think that this isn't what you want. You just need to be putting where you're at right now and capturing the right now into serving the Lord wholeheartedly and noting where you're called to remain for right now. Paul continues and has a couple other things. He just continues to say that apart from what Jewish culture would say that you must be married and apart what our culture would say, too, that you must be married and that's how fulfillment comes and all this kind of stuff. He says again in verse 32, he says, I want you to be free from anxieties. And then that's when he talks about that the unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord and how to please the Lord. But the married man 
is anxious about worldly things and how to please his wife. And the same is true for for gals, right? That's again, he's coming back to that divided interest, right? You have to divide your time with what you can do. Verse 38, he says, so then he who marries his betrothed does well and he who refrains from marriage will do even better. So he's still saying the better end of the deal here is that you don't get married. Now, how can he say these things? I think another reason that this is where we get caught up is because Paul is very eternally minded, isn't he? Like as you read Paul's letters, you sense that, my goodness, he is definitely wanting to pour himself out for the things that matter for eternity. And there's several different places, including here in chapter seven, there's a couple of verses where he talks about not being so concerned about the things that are passing away, but to be thinking about the things that have eternal ramifications, things that really matter for eternity. And that's just a hard thing for us. We really get caught up in this decade of our life or this 70, 80 years that we're going to be on this planet. And, and we feel like that's this is it. We just we got to make this 80 years the best we can we can have. I don't really know what the life expectancy is. I'm just throwing out a year there. But we can put so much priority on this life. And Paul would have us, God's word would have us not look at things like that, would have us look at the things that are eternally minded and the things that we're sending on ahead and in some ways, you know, even if you're just in this season of singleness right now, and maybe it's maybe it feels like it's a long season, or maybe it's kind of a short season. If you take Paul's words to heart here, and you are just serving the Lord, and what kinds of things have you sent on ahead? What kinds of people have you been able to minister and gals, whether it's in a grade school class or nursery kiddos that you're with or other moms that you're encouraging or ways that you are serving right now that will pay eternal dividends, that you might not have as many of those types of opportunities when this calling, when this season of you remaining right here is done. You just don't know. And here's what I know. Whenever it comes to us kind of shaking our our head a little bit and going, man, why, Lord, you know, why? the Lord does not make mistakes. We don't get 10 years down the road and he look back and go, oh man, yeah, I totally didn't mean to have you single for that long. Nope, that is not what the Lord is going to do. Our good God who created you for this season that you are in right now, single, married, widowed, empty nester, every season that we find ourselves in, he calls us to remain in that season, serving him with wholehearted devotion. I wanna close with one more scripture because I think this is is good for all of us. But 2 Peter 1, verse 3, and I'm gonna read a few verses here. It says, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. All things. I'm just gonna repeat that again. All things. I love our pastor always says, all in the Greek means all, okay? His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to a life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness." and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. 
For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's 2 Peter 1, verses 3 through 8. And I know that was kind of a long passage, but I think it's such a good guide for us. When you're in a season of singleness, right now your time looks different than it may look five years down the road or 10 years down the road. Or maybe the Lord will want you to remain in this season your whole life. Try to flip that on its head and not view that as being in a prison cell. View this from God's economy, from God's perspective of where he's called you to be. Now, I do think, just like it said in Psalm 37, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Your father in heaven is kind. He is gracious. He loves you. And he knows what he's called you to in five years, one year. And he knows what he's called you to right now. But if you kind of go through that list there that was in Second Peter, we can think about what we can do in the now, what we can do in the remain that we're in right now of this calling that we have. And how can we add to our faith virtue? What things in our life, maybe that is when it comes to the things that we watch or the things that we spend our time doing. How can we supplement our faith with virtue? And how can, and it says, and virtue with knowledge. How can we, like I said, checking your brain with the things that we're doing and knowledge with self-control. How can we express self-control? Are we expressing self-control? Is that something we need to work on? But each of those, whether it's steadfastness or godliness or brotherly affection, just loving one another, if you get lost in where to serve, if you get lost in the season of singleness and where you should remain and what you should do, can I encourage you to just go hang out in Second Peter verses chapter 1, 3 through 8. And just kind of go through that and pray through how the Lord might show you how you can work those things out for where you're at right now. And the last thing I just want to remind us is just that piece about being eternally minded. There are so many things that right now when or anytime when you're in the thick of it, or maybe it was a season you were in and it just feels like, oh, glad I'm through that kind of thing. But it's kind of, it's this trick of, remaining in the season that we're in, but also not living in it as if it's the only thing that there is. It's making the things that we remain, the calling that we have, making that be something that is eternally minded and not just about what we do next week. I think there's so many things that the Lord really just can uniquely use our singles to serve in the place that they're in right now. And it's not because it's a less than thing. In fact, as you just read 1 Corinthians 7 with me, it's the opposite. He says, no, 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 the singleness, yeah, that's way better. That's way better. So let's work on shifting that perspective and just asking the Lord to give us his heart, give us his perspective on these things. And then I will also just say, man, if you're married and you have single friends, Bring them into your life. It's not like another class of people. I think sometimes married people just well-intentionally will be like, well, I don't want to bother them or I don't want to like, you know, make them feel like they got to hang out with my kids or whatever. They love it. They love it. And I know this because I have dear friends that are singles and they come and they've hung out with me and my kids and we've done game nights and bring them in. We need all of the body of Christ, right? 
And our single gals, they are the ones that can be sometimes the absolute biggest blessing for us mamas sometimes. And I'm thinking back to my younger days with littler kids and being able to help in ways that maybe your married friends just can't. So I love the gals in our church that are single. I love the gals that are choosing to just serve the Lord wholeheartedly and with smiles on their faces. And just remember, gals, single and married, everyone in between, we are all here to encourage each other. So gals, single gals, if you're having a rough season, tell us. Tell us how we can be praying for you. And let us do that with you. Because even though we might not be in your particular season, just like you might not be in ours, we are all sisters in Christ that we can be praying, we can be comforting each other, we can be encouraging. Maybe even that word of exhortation, too, of being able to say, hey, Let's look at this from a different perspective and let's be open to that as well. All right. Well, there we go. A whole episode on singleness. I really hope that this was encouraging. I am so personally, if I could just sit here and name each of the single friends that are coming to mind right now for how you guys have blessed my life so much, I would, but they would probably send me text messages of like, that's really great, Aim. You called me out. But I'm just saying, our gals that are single and serving in a different capacity, right now in this season of life are such a blessing. So for you single gals, keep going because you are a blessing to the body of Christ in ways that sometimes us married gals just cannot do. And we are so thankful for you. So thank you to all the single gals who serve and for the ones that are looking for ways to serve. I just encourage you to jump in with both feet, have an eternal mindset about this and know that the Lord, man, delight yourself in him and he will give you the desires of your heart. We'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Devoted Podcast. We are a ministry of Athey Creek Christian Fellowship in West Lynn, Oregon. For more resources, or if you need prayer or encouragement, send us an email at devotedpodcast at atheycreek.com.